thank you that you are sovereign. Thank you that you are all-powerful, almighty, and changeable God. Thank you that we can come to you boldly and, and pray and commune, commune with you. And thank you for this time that we could be together as body believers to learn more about your word and to know, learn more about how to be able to reach out our community and people around us. And I pray that you'd be with our pastor as he preaches tonight, that you would give him wisdom and help us, Lord, to listen attentively and learn much from your word. And even as we learn from um, how to reach out and share the gospel to uh, people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain seated. I mean, please be seated. And then we'll sing hymn number 30. Praise my soul, the King of heaven only stands as one and four. Hymn number 30. Sense angels in the height adore him. Angels in the height adore him. This evening, so glad you're here to worship with us. This evening, we are looking at another religion that you may or may not have come in contact with, one that has several millions of followers. And so, as we do so, we sing songs of our great God, of that we can praise Him, that we can serve Him, that He is wonderfully powerful, 
that he shows himself to us. So as we're here today, we're so glad that you're here. Um, young professionals, remember our uh, uh, fellowship tonight after the service. Looking forward to seeing them there and th- for the Pantons. Um, and they're welcoming them to their house. And by the way, if I, I meant to embarrass him earlier this morning, but it is Ellie's birthday, so um, um, be sure to. He's 39 once again. Yeah, he has, he has munchkins. Yeah. No candles in the munchkins, but uh, all right. Men, if you'd come, receive the offering for the evening. All right, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your love and mercy and for that we can praise you for who you are. Thank you that we can praise you for your greatness, your glory, that you alone are worthy of our praise. So, Father, as we come to give to you, may we do so out of a heart of worship, of love, and may you be magnified in our hearts. May we do so cheerfully, give wisdom for the use of the money that we may see souls saved for the glory of Christ. Christ, I may pray. Amen.
thank you, Zach. Now is our time to to sing this new song. This is new to us as a congregation, and we'll sing this, Be Unto Him, Be Unto Your Name. If you notice the words, there's a contrast between who we are um, and then who God is. It's a beautiful hymn. Let's uh, sing this, and uh, if, if you know this, how many of you, this is your first time to to hear this piece, okay? So it's fairly new, but it's a good way to, to learn and new, new songs with, with powerful and rich text. Be unto your name. Remain seated. We are a moment, you are the ever, Lord of the ages, God stand and sing, my God is a righteous God.
Jesus knows my every deed and deed. Jesus longs to meet my deepest need. He lives now to intercede. He will surely stand by me. My God is a righteous God. My God is a much. Thanks to our instrumentalists, for Ellie, and uh, helping us as we sing. Kind of nice to have all the, I get it right down front, I get all the sound there. So if you come down front, it really sounds good here. So I'm sure it sounds great in the back too, but I'll invite you down. How's that? So we have been on a series continuing, and yes, there is end in sight, I think. Uh, we're going to go to Proverbs next and look an overview of what God says about different subjects in the Proverbs, but before we get there, there's a few more religions we'd like to discuss. And this, uh, along those ways, I'm always reminding you of the key questions as we engage those uh, who may believe differently than, than we do. The key questions, who knows? First one, you ask them how they, ask them about Jesus, is he God? Deity of Christ. Another question, key question. Scripture, the veracity of Scripture. That Scripture is infallible. It, it's, it is sufficient for all that we need. Third thing we need to talk to him about and ask is salvation. How is one justified? How does one come a saving relationship to God? How does one receive God into our lives, home in heaven? So we talk about these. Veracity of Scripture, deity of Christ, and justification, salvation. This evening, we're going to engage our understanding of the Baha'i faith, of the Baha'i faith. And Daniel, I'll ask you to turn on the pulpit mic, and we're going to listen to just a minute or two of an introductory video that will kind of take us there. I may actually play this twice, uh, just so that we can catch it all.
Are you ready? Throughout our history, God has sent to humanity educators, known as manifestations of God. The teachings they provide have enabled mankind to advance spiritually and embraced arts and sciences. These manifestations have included Abraham, Krishna, Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, and Muhammad. Baha'u'llah, the latest of these messengers, explained that the religions of the world come from the same source and are in essence successive chapters of one religion from God. Baha'is believe the crucial need facing humanity is to find a unifying vision of the future of society and of the nature and purpose of life. Such a vision unfolds in the writings of Baha'u'llah. Baha'is believe in the oneness of God and religion, the oneness of humanity and freedom from prejudice, the inherent nobility of the human being, the progressive revelation of religious truth, the development of spiritual qualities, the integration of worship and service, the fundamental equality of the sexes, the harmony between religion and science, the centrality of justice to all human endeavors, and the importance of education. Baha'is try to define their inner lives in accordance with the teachings of Baha'u'llah. The community to which they belong is one of learning and action. Baha'i communities are free from any sense of superiority or claim to exclusive understanding of truth. Baha'is share a common goal of serving humanity. It is a community that strives to cultivate hope for the future of humanity, to foster purposeful effort, and to celebrate the work of all those in the world who strive to promote unity. One more time. I want you to understand. Now, this time, listen with a lens, not of, this is new, but a lens of the gospel. And uh, think again. Throughout our history, God has sent to humanity educators known as manifestations of God. The teachings they provide have enabled mankind to advance spiritually and embraced arts and sciences. These manifestations have included Abraham, Krishna, Zoroaster, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, and Muhammad. Baha'u'llah, the latest of these messengers, explained that the religions of the world come from the same source and are in essence successive chapters of one religion from God. Baha'is believe the crucial need facing humanity is to find a unifying vision of the future of society and of the nature and purpose of life. Such a vision unfolds in the writings of Baha'u'llah. Baha'is believe in the oneness of God and religion, the oneness of humanity and freedom from prejudice, the inherent nobility of the human being, the progressive revelation of religious truth, the development of spiritual qualities, integration of worship and service, the fundamental equality of the sexes, the harmony between religion and science, the centrality of justice to all human endeavors, and the importance of education. Baha'is try to define their inner lives in accordance with the teachings of Baha'u'llah. The community to which they belong is one of learning and action. Baha'i communities are free from any sense of superiority or claim to exclusive understanding of truth. Baha'is share a common goal of serving humanity. 
It is a community that strives to cultivate hope for the future of humanity, to foster purposeful effort, and to celebrate the work of all those in the world who strive to promote unity. Now, interesting, uh, this presentation of their religion is, of course, putting its best foot forward, but if you were to see this, you think these are pretty nice people, and they are, unlike some religions who, um, who proselytize possibly by the sword, the Baha'is are not that way. But you'll notice a couple of things. This is a, a movement that originated in Iran, then Persia, in 1844. And this cult has been established in thousands of places around the world. Now, you may or may not know someone who follows Baha'i. Baha'i is a word for glory. Uh, In 2000, they said there were 7.1 million Baha'is in the world, representing 218 countries. Uh, 2010, 7.3 million from the same source and growing. The founder of this uh, movement, of this religion, was uh, Misra Muhammad, and he called himself the Bab, or the forerunner. So he was the one who came. Interesting man, um, he said he was the forerunner of the one who would be known as the great world teacher. And uh, this one declared that God had chosen him to be the Bab, which means gate or door to this one to create a new religious tradition. It would be a religion that would eventually be led to yet a greater manifestation of God. Well, that declaration was declared uh, heretical by the Muslims in Iran, and he grew great, a great persecution upon himself and his followers, and it led to his execution in 1850. But he said that this teacher would be the holy prophet who would utter or usher in the latest revelation from the divine source, or from God. He would unite the human family in a syncretic uh, conglomeration of diverse peoples and inaugurate a new era of peace. He would all bring our religions together. Well, there was someone else that was on the scene. See, the founder, the Bab, said that one would come, the Baha'u'llah would come to be this great teacher. Well, there was another man with him, um, and his name was Misra Hussein Ali. And he professed himself, even though he was two years older than the Bab, um, he was a dedicated disciple of his teaching, and he was imprisoned in Persia after the Bab's death. In 1853, the Misra Hussein Ali fled to Baghdad, Iraq, where he continued to preach the Bab's message. But in 1863, Misra Hussein Ali declared himself that he was the great manifestation from God and that he was the one the Bab had prophesied who would come. And he adopted the title of, of Baha'u'llah, meaning the glory of God. And so in the years following this bold declaration, he was again imprisoned by Muslim, Muslim rulers and eventually was exiled to Palestine in 1868. And there, he would produce a part of their sacred writings that would be later known as in the collection of the sacred writings of the Baha'i faith. Um, when Baha, uh, Baha'u'llah died in 1892, his eldest son, Abdu'l-Baha, was designated the leader of the new faith. 
Um, but his authority, however, was only as an interpreter of the Baha'u'llah um, uh, teaching and not as another manifestation of God. And so Abdul Baha, like his father, spent time in prison. But in 1908, he began a world tour proclaiming the Baha'i message and advocating world peace. He visited the United States in 1912, where he was warmly received by some Americans. In 1920, he was knighted by the British Crown for his humanitarian work during the First World War. Abdul Baha, the son of uh, Baha'u'llah, died in 1921 and was succeeded by his grandson, the Shoghi Effendi. Um, as the guardian of the Baha'i faith, and he died in 1957. After establishing the Universal House of Justice in Haifa, Israel, near Mount Carmel. I missed it when I was there. Uh, And this stands now, even now, as a permanent uh, governing body for the Baha'i international community. So, you have the Bab, you have the Baha'u'llah, you have um, Abdul Baha'i, and then you have um, the uh, Shoghi Effendi, and then, now, we'll talk about the leadership there. Well, let's look at their sacred texts. They have the Most Holy Book and the Book of Certitude. And this was by Baha'u'llah. And then the writings of the Bab are considered sacred. Uh, the writings of Abdul Baha, uh, the son, and then the Shoghi Effendi, the, the grandson, are also considered authoritative. So these sacred texts are entered in, into the, the faith of Baha'i. Now, they are very respectful of other scriptures. They're respectful of other religious traditions, uh, such as the Bible for the Jews and Christians and the Koran for the Muslims. So they, are, they respect these. Nevertheless, they regard the holy writings of, of the Baha'u'llah and the, the Bab as the most supreme revelation from God. Um, they're not very well branded. You'll see, you'll see a five-pointed star, but you'll also see a nine-pointed star as a symbol. Uh, the star is not really a part of their teaching of the Baha'i faith, but it is commonly used as an emblem representing nine because the association of the number nine with perfection, unity in Baha. And the also it comes from um, uh, the Shoghi Effendi said the Baha'i has reverenced this for two reasons. First, because it's considered by those in interested in numbers as a sign of perfection. Secondly, consideration, which is a more important one, that is the numerical value of Baha. So nine, the nine-pointed star. Another symbol that you will see is the ringstone symbol. This is this one right here. The ringstone symbol uh, was designed by Abdul Baha, uh, so Baha'u'llah's successor and his his son. And uh, it's the most common symbol found on rings worn by Baha'i. So you might see someone with a symbol, and you will know they're of the Baha'i faith. Uh, It's on necklaces also, book covers, paintings. Um, You'll see two stars on either side. Uh, Lower lines represent humanity, the world of creation. Upper lines, the world of God. Um, And the middle line represents the special station, the manifestation of God, which is right now the Baha'u'llah. And the, the vertical line is the primal will of the Holy Spirit proceeding from God through the manifestations of humanity. Now, currently, just to kind of give you an idea before we get into their beliefs, the authority, right now, uh, those, the governing body is the hand of the cause of God. And uh, with them, the nine elected members of the Universal House of Justice. And as I said, they uh, reside in Haifa. The main, there's not a lot of um, church buildings there are probably less than 20 now church or Baha'i buildings. We can't really call it a church. Baha'i buildings that are there. They meet often in rented spaces or in homes. 
uh, and they speak and they, they talk together, uh, or they'll rent out a convention and they'll all come together for that. And so there, uh, the, these Universal House of Justice, um, they, uh, they do issue writings and there are, um, they're regarded as authoritative and binding, but the highest are the Book of Certitude and those other, th- other writings. So, this is the Baha'i religion. What do they believe? So, they're mixing of several different religions. They respect a lot of faith traditions. Uh, so, who, what do they believe about God? Well, they believe that there is only one God. There is no trinity. And even though individuals of different religions pray to their God, it really is only the one God. They're still praying to the same God, even though they're using different names. And very interesting, because they, uh, the knowledge of God is something they, they talk about. Um, they talk about God's attributes and His qualities, but really not of His essence. Uh, they would say no one can actually see God because He does not have a body. And this, they say, to imply that Jesus was not God in the flesh. And they would say the one who learns about God learns about God through prayer and the study of the various sacred uh, scriptures and the prophets of God. Um, We'll get to a little more of who they think the prophets of God are in just a minute. Creation. So how do they believe? uh, What do they believe about creation? Well, Fairly standard, uh, God has complete control over creation. He has uh, complete and perfect knowledge of his creation, but that is as far as they will go. So how do they, what do they think is the revelatory means they got this information? What are the revelations that God has given to them? And so they would say, the Baha'is would say, that God chose different revelations throughout history. He used different manifestations or prophets to accomplish this purpose including but not limited to Moses, to Abraham, Jesus, Muhammad, and Buddha. So you start to look at this list. Um, this, it's a little growing list of that. Um, but they would say the Baha'u'llah is the latest and the greatest of the prophets or the manifestations of God to humanity. So he is the one they would follow now. But to understand the manifestations or the revelations that they would say God has given to us, there is no one more superior than the other. So Jesus is no better or worse than Moses. Jesus is not better or worse than Buddha. They're all part of this. Because there is only, as they would say for religion, only really one religion in the world. And that is seen as the Baha'i faith. And this religion has been progressively revealed. They would say uh, Judaism led to Christianity, which led to um, to Islam, which brought in Buddha, Zoroastrianism, all of these things would come together, and now Baha'u'llah has culminated in this Baha'i faith that is the culmination of everything of all the religions prior, and now this, his, Baha'u'llah, has come and brought uh, the joining of all the prophets of the major religions of the past. Um, and, they, and they acknowledge that the revelation of God unto mankind will probably continue in the future. And there might be future prophets or future manifestations past Baha'u'llah. Um, and so it's not yet done. And they would say of, of religions and how they, I guess, how they um, harmonize the different religions, they would say a religion was given for a certain time and what that time needed. 
the time of the Jews, the Jews needed the time that they needed the Hebrew God manifested for them. At the time of Christ, when he came, the world needed to understand Christianity. And that's how, and then now the world needs to understand behind how God interacts with them. So they would not um, actively criticize other, other religions. They would say, that's good, but we have received the culmination of all of this. This all leads to Baha'i. So now we have the knowledge that all of this harmonizes together. So um, they would say that the manifestation given to God was part of his single plan. So God, God planned these religions to come about they're not to be at each other's throat or disagree with one another, but to all to lead to the best one, which is Baha'i. Which opens up the door, what do they believe about Jesus? What is it? Well, as many other faiths, they regard Jesus as a great messenger or a prophet, or, as they say, a manifestation of God. However, as I mentioned earlier, they do not consider him particularly unique. He's, he's not all that unique. He's just another manifestation. One of the nine. The nine include Moses. includes Krishna. includes Abraham. Zoroaster. Buddha. Jesus. Mahabad. The Bab. Bahu'llah. No, Baha'u'llah. These manifestations are part of that. So Jesus is no better than no other. He's just one of the nine. He's just one of the nine. Some Baha'i sources also include Confucius, um, Hud, Salih. Um, but primarily, Baha'u'llah is considered the, the primary prophet for the modern era. For our time, he is the one, they would say. And the teachings are expected to eventually unify the world's people. You'll notice, you notice in the video, it's all the unification of mankind that will all come together at one point. All religions all people, all nations to come under the Baha'i and to live peaceably. And just in case you're counting, there's not expected to be another manifestation of God like the Baha'u'llah for another 900 years. So um, we won't be around to see that next one if there's a next one. Well, as we look at a biblical response to this, Jesus is the Christ, he is divine, and he existed before his human form. Jesus is not a, merely another manifestation. But at the same time, Baha'i believe that there are three levels of being. There's humankind, manifestations, and prophets of God and God. And so they would say Jesus is not one of these that is divine. He is not God. He is only a manifestation of God. Christians believe, of course, that Jesus is God in the flesh. So we cannot say there's a distinction between Jesus and God. John 1, 1 1-13, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being. uh, All things came into being by Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, and as believers, we see Moses and Abraham as great men who God used in mankind, but both men and all men are sinful. And they died 
being sinful people. They were not divine. They were still people. Abraham and Moses were not perfect. Abraham lied to Pharaoh about Sarai, his wife. Abraham lied again. Um, Moses murdered an Egyptian. Moses was excluded from the promised land by striking the rock when God commanded him to speak to the rock. And so these men are, are men whom God used greatly, but they're, they're not God. They're not on the same plane or same level as Jesus. Jesus, however, while he physically died, he physically was raised from the dead. The Bible gives so many approves of that. I recall one Easter we handed out a, a little booklet by um, a man who was a cold case investigator for the L.A. Um, police department. An atheist at the age of 34, 35 who set out to disprove the resurrection and based upon all of the available sources came to the understanding that Jesus did rise from the dead. As we look at the scriptural record, the record of those in, who lived in that day, and if, if Paul writes himself, I deliver to you as first importance, this is Corinthians 15, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day according to the Scripture. And He has appeared to Cephas, or Peter, and then to the twelve, and after that He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And He appeared to James, to all the apostles, and last of all, as it were, of one untimely born, Paul says He appeared to him also. Jesus is not merely another manifestation of a great prophet, but indeed is God himself. God himself. So on the question of whether Jesus is God, they would fail that test. They would say he is not. In Scripture, Scripture is very clear. He is God. He was raised from the dead. He had to be God to accomplish our atonement. What about the afterlife? Well, the afterlife, heaven and hell are not seen as literal places where people go after death. They're seen as descriptions of an individual spiritual journey towards the light of God. So, if your spiritual journey, if, if it doesn't go so well, you go to the place that people think of as hell. But that's not really that. Um, the soul makes that journey toward different worlds in the afterlife, uh, they would say. Uh, the nature of mankind, man and sin... Uh, the physical desires, they would say, of humans are not evil or bad. Everything that God has created is good. And so sin is not uh, a thing that is evil. It's the wrong choices are made. And so you would, um, you would seek to rid your life of wrong choices. And they definitely have wrong choices. And they would, interestingly enough, um, unless it's changed in the last several months, they would be against um, homosexuality and homosexual marriage. They would invite them to come in and to come and part of, be part of their assembly and to, and to learn of them, but to be, to, to be a member of the Baha'i faith, they would not let them if they were practicing homosexuals. So there is, they do have, they believe in wrong choices, but these are not seen as a sin that would condemn one to hell because there is no hell. It's just a, a bad path of your spiritual journey. What they see is the ultimate goal of Baha'i is the unification of humankind. That they desire through their religion to build a peaceful and a loving global society. And they believe that this is possible 
as they uh, seek to spread the Baha'i faith. And as you watched the video earlier, there are many things that you would say, that's, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad they were doing that. There are things that they would, you would say that those are worthwhile or worthy goals. Um, a quality of, of peace, of, of unified and world peace and governments and things that would come. And so no one would fight anybody else and say, well, that's, that's, those, are, those are wonderful things. We, we know it's not going to happen until Jesus returns. Uh, but things that you would say would cause people to be attracted to the, the Baha'i faith. I mean, we have a natural aversion, most of us, to conflict. We like peace. Not, not everybody. I've known people who like conflict. Um, but they want that, that beautiful, loving, global society. And they do that through, as stated in the video, the full equality of men and women, of taking away all forms of prejudice, the oneness of religion and a universal religion. So their goal is to unify all of the religions together. Uh, the taking away of extreme poverty and wealth. So they don't want anybody on the, on the edges. They, they, will, they will take care of those in poverty, but they don't want to have extreme wealth, extreme poverty. We want to come bring it to the middle there. Universal education. Um, everyone should have an opportunity to learn, to read. Uh, individuals, um, the power of the individual to seek truth for themselves, they would champion that, part of the unification of mankind. And they desire to form a commonwealth of nations that cooperate and are in harmony. And they desire also, you saw the last one, the true unification, the recognition of religion and science or scientific knowledge that we understand they're in harmony. And so as you look at these, they have these core principles uh, of which the things I stated earlier are made up. The unity of God, meaning all religions, same God. The, core pr- the unity of religion, so all religions who cooperate now, since there are all of the same God. And the unity of humanity, we, because our, we are taking away any differences, we should unify together and the common good of all man. And as we look at that, we have to examine from a biblical viewpoint that while Jesus was sinless, while he was made to be sin for us, the recognition of there is that we are sinful. It's not a pattern of wrong choices. We indeed, because of Adam, and we compound it every day, almost every moment, we sin as well. And so there is no true unification until the heart is joined in the right relationship with Jesus Christ. And until the return of Christ to set all things right, we will not have that peace. And obviously we do not see Buddha or Muhammad or any other prophets as being a prophet from the one true God. We see them as normal human beings in need of a Savior. We understand these prophets all physically died. Muhammad died in 632 AD. There are various dates for the death of Buddha, of, um, of others, of Krishna. All of these um, have, have come and gone. Even the Baha'u'llah has come and gone. He died in 1892. But Jesus lives eternally. He rose from the grave. He said to Thomas, here, touch my side, touch my hand, see. 
see the wounds. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Jesus manifested himself as alive as he broke bread with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. So we have a risen Lord. A risen Lord. And so we have the God of the ages. The God of the ages in that we serve. Uh, interesting things, just another a few tidbits of um, the Baha'i faith. Well, um, because it was it began in Iran, uh, it's been very much persecuted by Muslims, and especially since uh, the overthrow of the, the, um, the Shah of Iran and um, from um, the mullahs there, uh, Khomeini and the um, Ahmadinejad as the primary minister past and all the future. Uh, they've been a lot of persecution. And so it's ironic that the one, the religion that started in Iran is the one that they most persecute. Um, there are regularly people of the Baha'i faith who are executed. And so while we would um, not desire that to happen, understand in religious persecution across the world, uh, they are a part of that. So, how? How do you... How do you start to engage some of the Baha'i faith? Right? Respecting that a lot of their religion sets lofty goals for them and for the world. But understanding also that the reference point that they have is not our reference point. We have one, one writing complete word of God that's infallible. And they would say many writings are useful. And so... It begins in prayer, engaging them as and other uh, people of other religions really begins in prayer. And just as we've seen from those who, are, uh, who follow Muhammad, uh, who follow Islam, Allah, and even now those who, who are Jews, God does a work in the heart and it's often a supernatural work of of calling them to Christ. And so the prayer is that they would see who Jesus is. And as you pray, you take them through the path of Jesus' claims. See, it's, it's not very, I would say, it's not very profound from one religion to the other. There are not a lot of, uh, dare I say, strategies to engage people of another religion. It really deals with the three questions of the veracity of Scripture. But here... Just as any other religion, you begin to tell them of Christ. That if Christ was only a prophet, and Christ claimed in his words that he was the Son of God, then there's a conflict. They say he's a prophet, but he says he's the Son of God. That, that cannot be reconciled. He's either a charlatan, he's saying something, he's lying, or else he indeed is a true Son of God. And so you take them through the path of, of taking them through Scripture. Even of what external sources say of Christ, um, of looking at the suffering of Christ through maybe the writings of Josephus, of looking um, through the Old Testament and the New Testament of this one who would come, of Jesus. And you call to them Jesus. And you set, them, set him before them. And so you engage with the gospel Engage with kindness, and you engage in prayer. I have one minute. Any questions?
or any comments? Maybe you know someone who worships at a, the Baha'i faith. Hmm? Not as many uh, in our area. Uh, there are some. Often you see it in greater metropolitan areas, obviously with numbers on your side, you'll see it at larger congregations or larger gatherings. Nothing? Yeah, oops, sorry, yes. Mm-hmm. Inherent nobility within everyone. Um, it is. It is that thought that every person has nobility and worth. So that comes to the equality of sexes. Yet yeah, is the worth, and so it. it and it has to do with that um, because good and evil are not thought of. That everyone is uh, the good within them. We should. We should uh, seek to. Uh, reveal, and we should treat them. And, and, and to a point, obviously we know that we're all sinners, but to a point we would say, yes, we would agree with respecting each one, every, everyone and caring for them because, why? Because they were made in the image of God. The inherent nobility is not from within themselves. We don't respect people because, they, because they're good, because I know I'm not good. I love someone I care, respect, feed them, clothe them because they're made in the image of God. Good question. Another? All right. Joseph Smith. I did not see anything of the combining of, of Mormonism. Um, partly because he grew after Baha'u'llah um, and the Bab was writing. But also, I, I would think that um, some of the exclusivity of the Mormons uh, and some of the things that they're not part of their practice now, but were, were um, early 19, 1920s, end of 1800s as they went across, and some of the things that I really didn't delve into, the, some of the atrocities in the... the the pilgrimage out to Utah, they would see as uh, putting off, obviously. Uh, but I think the main reason is because it was not as well established, and it's not that it doesn't fit into their, 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 yeah, their history of the manifestation of the prophets. Yes? Yeah, there's not a, the track of salvation that we see or redemption that we see in a lot of religions. Um, it is the goal of unification. You, if you are a member, you sign on, you're part of the faith. Uh, but have, there's, the afterlife is kind of fuzzy. You know, there's no heaven or hell, hell. And so there's nothing to be saved to or saved from. Well, the unification of all mankind together. It would be, we're all joining to bring all the religions, all the worlds in peace and harmony and love. Big hug, big kiss, and cheek. So, right, you know, all together. And so, and you can see how that is attractive to someone who has no spiritual reference, who has no God. I mean, war is not a pleasant thing. 
not something that we want to be a part of. And so um, it appeals to people in a lot, of, a lot of ways. And it's not the track of salvation, oh, I've got to do something. It's we're joined together for, um, to make the world a better place. That's kind of the framework we, they operate in. Hmm? Yes. Well, murder would be, it's, it's against the inherent nobility of, of a person. Um, but they would see the consequences of your wrong choices would instruct you not to do those again. Or maybe, in the case I had an older brother, I didn't do some things because it didn't work out too well for him, okay? He wasn't that much older, but it was like, ah, oh, yeah, that didn't work out so well. Dad didn't like that. So they would see, not right or wrong, not sin, good and evil, it's, these choices are not the best. Make these choices that's better for your life. I think they would, they were, they would learn wisdom from that. Um, uh, now, I did not research whether they're like capital punishment. I would say probably they're against capital punishment. Um, they're not activists like um, universalists, uh, Unitarian Universalists. Um, they're not activists like that in that way. Uh, so um, I think they would draw harmony and peace and let's make the right choices. And then they would encourage in the, in the congregation the assemblies of that. So, you know, what we're learning from this as we explore other religions is that we can have a great impact of showing who Christ is and of loving and caring and not being afraid to engage in conversation with people who do not think like us. We don't have to be on the defensive. We can listen and not believe. We can listen and engage um, and, um, and love them and show them Jesus in a very real way. Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, thank you so much for loving us, for your care and your mercy. Thank you for who you are, that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Lord, may we share Jesus everywhere we go. May he be seen through us. May we reach and love and care for those who who have uh, no understanding of Christ. May we show them Christ through our life. Christ, may I pray, amen.